Welcome to Idea Market Podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis. I'm joined once again by CEO Mike Elias, uh, where we invest your attention as you would your money. We are joined by Alexandros Marinos, the co-founder of betterskeptics.com and also the CEO and founder of Bellina. Um, so thanks very much for joining us. Um, we have a little opening question here, which isn't isn't the simple tell us about yourself. We like to ask it differently. So we would say if you were to develop a course or a curriculum for other people to become as alike you in your perspective as possible, what would that course look like? <laughs> um, well, I mean, for one, you know, why would they want to do that themselves? Uh, but, you know... If if they really insisted, <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, I've been I've been sharing with my team at Valena, um the ones that can take it, sort of, you know, the the rationality from AI to zombies stuff, and the ones that are like more, you know, interested in the more compact version, like the um, uh, the scout mindset stuff. So that's kind of a good entry point to being able to think of the the physical world, sort of uh, with with a with a logical framework, and that doesn't necessarily mean, uh, you know, being being Spock. Uh, if anything, it means recognizing that reality is out there and not in, in here, right? Like that our representations of that reality are always, you know, through through a mirror um, and, 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 you know, distorted. I'm sure I'm, I'm misquoting somebody uh, now. Um, and that we should have the appropriate skepticism, not just to our, what we see, but also what we think um, and then sort of live in that. And then from there, the next thing I'd say is, you know, you don't control your willpower, but you control your feedback loops. So design a feedback loop for yourself that just absolutely forces you to, um, you know, be who you want to be. Um, so, you know, for me, Balena was basically that. Like I, I started a company because I, I kind of knew uh, an academic mindset would, uh, and, and a pathway would, uh, I would, I would be very prone to laziness. And uh, I thought, well, if I put my my ego and all my you know my future on the line, that should that should give me a kick up the ass. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it did, you know. <laughs> I, I gotta say, uh, so you know that 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 the, you know any book you can read, all of that stuff is great. But I've I've recently also come to appreciate um, embodiment, which is not a word I used to use, but like you know the, the way I understand it, and I try to simplify things to so understand them is no matter how many books you read on 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 riding a bike right you you know you're gonna fall right and you're gonna and and if you know all the tricks and all the procedures and all the checklists for how to like get on and get off it doesn't matter (laughs) so you have to ride bikes to get good at it so um that that's not just true for riding a bike or, or surfing it's true for thinking and analyzing information and making decisions and all that stuff um, so I would encourage people to set up for themselves a feedback loop that sort of forces them to do that because their brain is a, an energy saving machine that will want to go in low power mode. Um, that is not justified by our environment, but Hey, <laughs> back in a cave, it made sense. hundred percent. I like the, the embodiment aspect of intellectual life is certainly underappreciated and I, I kind of sense it making a comeback. Um, it even almost feels as, as you were saying that I thought maybe risk management sort of plays a role 
in giving people an emotional stake in their, uh, maybe there's a sort of embodiment aspect to risk management. Maybe that's why it works. Maybe that's what it helps with uh, returning, you know, the logical calculations into the, the world of consequences. Um, what, what, I, what made you make this shift your orientation toward, toward embodiment? What was the, you know, impetus for that? I, I think I've always had that frame of mind. Um, I, I, I didn't have the words uh, to, 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 to communicate it. But, you know, if you, if you see my, my, um, my, my Twitter bio, I say practical philosopher, which I made, you know, no end of fun of, but like, hey, I don't care. Um, but that's kind of the same thing I'm trying to capture, right? Which is that thinking and, you know, having your, like, your, 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 uh, your tobacco pipe next to the fire, fireplace or whatever, and just having deep thoughts, um, that's not sufficient or, or uh, maybe necessary, but it's definitely not sufficient uh, to actually approximate reality, right? So you have to go out there and, and live it and, and try out your ideas, and they're going to be wrong. You're going to have to fix them, and you're going to have to go back and just over and over again. That cycle um, is really... Um, something I don't know. I, I, it's an interesting question. Like when I, I first came in contact with that, I feel I've I've always known it, but I, I can't have. So um, I don't know. It's something that goes far back. I can't I can't trace it fully, but I it's just made so much intuitive sense for me. And and yeah, I've recently heard uh, that word being used at the uh, an episode of the Dark Horse podcast that um, it just it just stuck for me. And I was like, yes, that I'd heard the word before. I think Scott Alexander used it somewhere. And it was like some academic weird thing that I couldn't really uh, land. Um, but this time I heard it the second time and I was like, yes, that's exactly, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Cool. Do you, did you use a different term for it or not really have language for it uh, before that? I, I use the words feedback loop a lot. Like you, you, you test your beliefs in reality. Uh, and, and I think, it's a similar concept, not exactly the same, because it doesn't talk about where the knowledge is situated necessarily, but it leads you to the same result, right? Like that you, you have to situate your knowledge. Like if you're going to do that, you, that, it necessitates that you have your body and have your knowledge in an embodied uh, way. Uh, at least as I understand the term, I, I also understand that there's like some very deep philosophical like debates about what that really means. So I'm just using like a layman's, uh, you know, understanding of that. Got it. Cool. I really appreciate the work you've done with the ivermectin debate. And I think it's particularly interesting for a number of reasons, not the least of which is uh, you're not a medical doctor and neither are most people. So I'm, I'm interested in what kind of ground you might be breaking that will allow other non-medical doctors to imitate this kind of inquiry in technical fields that we don't have any expertise in. And what you're using, it seems like the razor you're using a lot for figuring out truth or whatever without having the technical background is intellectual honesty. Is, is, is that about an accurate, is that a fair description of, of how you're approaching this debate? It's it's definitely a, a good flamethrower, right? Like because you you yeah. know who to look for and who not to look for. It doesn't mean that all intellectual, honest actors will agree with each other or that it's the, the end all be all. Um, but it helps. It, it's it's you know if if somebody is presented with an ability to correct a mistake they made, which is obvious, which is human, and everybody would make it, and they just choose to double down. 
you can make a few conclusions from that, right? Like just immediately. Um, but that doesn't also mean that they're not right in some things, right? That you should just dismiss them. You should probably not continue talking to them. They're probably going to waste your time. But that doesn't necessarily preclude everything they've ever said from being yeah. uh, anything being correct. So when uh, it is for things I truly care about, I will try to parse things, even if they're coming from dubious sources. Um, but I don't, you know, getting into a debate with somebody who's on a mission, like their mental mindset is like, I'm going to convince, I'm going to persuade, I'm going to, or even worse, I'm going to make a point for the audience. I'm going to humiliate this person, right, to make a point, right? That stuff is a waste of time. And, you know, in many, in many ways, why we can't have nice things. And, and I try to spend a little, as little time of that, on that as possible. At the same time, I do believe in tit for tat, especially in social media, right? I don't think that um, just being nice and peaceful with everybody is the way forward. If you see the, there's a, a Nikki case, I believe, has done a very nice app online called the, if I'm not mistaken, it's called the evolution of trust, that you can sort of play through the game theory and see that like, it is our effectively our duty to call out bad actors, uh, because if you don't, somebody else will have to, and they'll have to discover it because you didn't do it, right? So it's defending the community to, 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 to say plainly what is. Um, but at the same time, you know, that, that's intellect, intellectual honesty for me is, is a good rubric for who to spend time talking to and uh, interacting with because, uh, uh, yeah. And, and of course you, 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 you weigh their, you, you put that frame on their inputs, right? And actually, um, there's a, for, for, for reasons that, you know, we probably shouldn't go into, I, I know a lot more theology than I'd like. Um, and, um, one a very interesting part of how, you know, if you go back into like Jesus, uh, was he a real person and all of that debate? Uh, there's a very interesting principle that archaeologists use uh, for analyzing texts, which is, did they, did the person saying this thing, were they embarrassed by what they were saying, right? If, if somebody says something counter, counter to their agenda, then you can, that is actually a very high, high quality signal that that thing is probably true. If they're saying something that helps their agenda, it might, might not be true, whatever. Uh, but even an intellectually dishonest actor, if they're forced to concede something and they will concede it, that concession itself is high quality information. So there are ways definitely to extract signal from all sorts of uh, uh, places. One of my big things is that we shouldn't be too picky about the, the, the types of evidence that we look into actually. Like, so, you know, just saying, you know, intellectual honest people or just saying uh, randomized control trials or saying, um, you know, whatever the, the establishment says, or all of these things can be useful. And all of these things can contradict each other, so um, we have to make sense with with the whole the whole framework. Yeah, and the uh, I I like what you said about identifying. You know, was was the speaker embarrassed to say what they're saying? There does seem to definitely be, especially in this in the Twitter age, a anti correlation between social status. And intellectual honesty, they seem to like mutually discourage each other in a lot of cases. And so when there's, you know, that sacrificing of status on the altar of truth, or at least honest opinion, um, that I'm, I'm drawn to that signal too. Um, who are, who are some of your favorite, you know, Twitter people that do that a lot, or maybe don't get enough credit for being willing to embarrass themselves and things like that? Who are the most? Who are your most embarrassed heroes? <laughs> well, that's a good question, and I don't really have uh, fantastic answers. I don't. I, I'll, I'll try to think a little bit more as I as I talk. But I, 
the, the, the thing about being willing to do that is you don't end up doing it a lot because you're the kind of person that would do that, right? Like you are a self-correcting person. So you will like, you, you don't do it continuously, right? Because you actually, first of all, by having to do it, right? And, and eating humble pie, that is also embodiment, right? That is also like putting deep into your brain that like, I should be very careful with what I say because I might have to eat my words. Um, yeah. So, so you don't ex like, you don't expect somebody to, like every two days, like being like, oh, shit, everything I thought was wrong or whatever, like that, that would be weird. Um, but you do get it occasionally, right? So um, a, a lot of my introduction to this uh, sort of, um, sort of, uh, let's call it bracket has been through the Dark Horse podcast. So for instance, uh, Brett Weinstein recognized that one of the studies he was using to support ivermectin was um, of, of dubious uh, quality. In fact, he went out himself and asked for the data, insisted to get the data, did not get the data, and he said out as much, right? Um, and that was like, a lot of people were probably were gonna say he's discredited or whatever. Actually, that is the highest signal quality uh, you can get uh, because he had every reason to obscure that and ignore it and just hope his audience doesn't notice. Uh, and, and, and no other reason than wanting to be uh, on the up and up um, than to acknowledge it. And even if, um, you know, that some will say, well, he was forced to, fine. He would, he would acknowledge the things that happened that were public, right? This is the kind of the, the, the limited hangout situation, right? Where you just like acknowledge whatever you have to. It's like, well, something happened. I'm not sure. I'm not going to refer to it, whatever. You don't say, I went out. I didn't get what I wanted. I'm not happy with that. You know, I'm still waiting, but until then, I'm just going to ignore that. Like, you don't add additional embarrassing information on the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that idea that being discredited is a really high signal uh, e event these days. I think that that makes a lot of sense. I'd like to backtrack just a little bit because I actually don't mind at all if that you have a lot of theology knowledge. I think that's interesting. And uh, I was just thinking yesterday I was on a podcast talking about my personal religious journey and uh, something related to embodiment came up. The idea that uh, knowledge is not something that you can just possess by memorizing, but it's something that you have to live out. And then having been uh, raised agnostic and then I was atheist and then, you know, sampled from a bunch of religions and meditative traditions and stuff like that. The Christian notion that the truth is a person or that Jesus is the truth just felt like a weird kind of anomaly in the spiritual world. Like no one else says that. Uh, but if the truth is something, if truth is a thing that you know by identification with it and by embodiment of it, there is kind of that precedent that the truth would take form in a person. And I'm just still a little, you know, fascinated by this because it just kind of, you know, clicked in a new way. So I think, you know, I felt that was, you know, marginally relevant. Well, yeah, I mean, I, my, my, my trajectory is probably the, the reverse, um, though, you know, I'm, I'm much more mellow in my, you know, uh, hardcore, you know, uh, Hitchensian uh, anti-theism than I, than I was back in the day. Um, but um, I, I will say that one of the, so I, I, I have this thing and I think that's just who I am, but I, I take ideas really seriously, right? So when I was into, uh, you know, uh, being, you know, a good Christian 
uh, boy. Basically, I grew up as a Protestant in Greece, which is like incredibly ridiculously rare. Uh, there's like 0.1% of the population and the rest is like uni block Orthodox uh, Christians um, because the, the country was formed with population exchange. So they literally said, all the Muslims go over there, all the Christians from over there come over here. So it was like kind of religiously constructed, like to be singular. Right, so the the, the minorities are are very few. Um, so I, I grew up as a Protestant, which in the U.S. is like whatever, but there it was like you're like this tiny persecuted minority, which is like really you know thematic for Christianity, right? Like it, like a lot of the the, the the gospel sort of vibe a lot better in that in that ambience. Um, but I took those ideas very seriously, and I couldn't sort of make them fit. Uh, I know I, I didn't know anybody who could help me uh, do that, but um, I kept something. So, so I think that the, the, the jumping off point for me, and it comes back to truth and to Jesus, is um, there's, a, there's a verse, and I don't actually know where it is, but uh, Google can, can help your listeners, uh, saying, you know, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Right. So, so that for me was like, okay, look, there is nothing. It, it was actually kind of similar to the current moment because I felt there was a lot of pushback on finding out what is true, right? Because like you ask too many questions, you're, 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 you're pushing on point you shouldn't be pushing. There was a lot of that sort of coming at me. And I was like, look, this is there, right? I, the, the cannot, it cannot be false for me to seek the truth. If that truth is embarrassing to you or if your beliefs cannot stand up to that, like this wouldn't be in there if that wasn't, you know, um, what I'm supposed to be doing. And it, and it feels right, but I also can can sort of back back my quest. And if it's if it's valid, then I will end up at the right place. And if it's not, then it's already not valid. So what's the, what's the point of this conversation? Um, so that was kind of something I go back to often. And I'm, I'm like, okay, that's, yeah. So, so even in that sort of somewhat insular, like an environment that I grew up in, which is not your, 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 your everyday, like enlightened, you know, uh, Unitarian uh, Christianity, but sort of something more, more uh, fundamentalist. There are there were these gates that I could find uh, to to walk uh, you know outside essentially, but yeah I, I don't know I, I, it's a it was a fascinating sort of foundation I, I I used to think I wasted a lot of time just sort of absorbing a lot of that to be able to have that conversation with with myself and others but it it comes in handy in weird in weird uh, weird times. <laughs> I I have to ask what what kind of weird times that stuff comes in handy in I mean I, maybe this is one I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's kind of the thing, right? You you, you can, you can uh, exactly. The, the, the thing to me is that, like, so uh, let me maybe give you another way of that I parsed that experience, right? I, so I grew up in a situation where um, a lot of the authority figures in my life were telling me that one thing was correct and I should go that way and, like, not to question, et cetera, et cetera. And I, 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 I take pride in the fact that I was able to sort of, as a, like, what, a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, like, up to my early 20s, uh, from the inside of that world, I was able to sort of construct a, a, a staircase to get outside, right? It's like, it's like growing up in the Truman Show. This, when there's information control, when there is like all of that stuff, um, it's it's a lot of my friends from there are still there because that's the path, right? It's a very uh, it's a very high likelihood that you'll end up just doing that as you know uh, the <laughs> what is the genetic uh, genetic policy or whatever, like where you know a lot of people just end up. Um, following that, the religions, and especially in, in these kinds of uh, environments. So um, what I, I think I, I concluded definitely early on is that, you know, don't trust the authorities, right? 
just because they everybody around you uh, trust them and they 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 sound like they know what they're talking about and you know they take you know a lot of like a big patronizing tone and like they will like throw the book at you and all the emotional manipulation and they shame you and whatever still doesn't mean they're right right they have to be able to show receipts or go home um, and 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 I think I've, I've if if you know I have a son now he's two years old. Right. And I kind of think about how he'll grow up because obviously, I mean, unless I don't know, something changes, like I'm going to raise him just showing him what I find are, are true facts, um, which, you know, hopefully are higher quality than what I got. But um, and, and that's not to say that, I you know, I didn't get anything or whatever. I wasn't like repressed. It wasn't like some some like completely abusive situation. It was like a very specific group I was I was into and, and not both of my parents were into. It. So just I just want to make clear. So <laughs> but the thing is, like not having that to escape from right you might grow up actually thinking that you know the authorities know what they're talking about and things are fine and you know like if you grow up in a more healthy situation you don't have that frame right so um you know i, I think it gave me something which is that you know everything around you could be saying you know everything except for the facts basically can be saying that this is right and it's still not right and 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 nobody can like convince me otherwise because i've i've i've, I've been there Right. Like and, and most of these people who are trying to convince me otherwise don't agree with those people originally. So, you know, <laughs> somebody has to, you know, somebody has to be uh, uh, right. And, and it can't be it can't be both. Yeah. You must be very annoying <laughs> to the uh, to the powers that be. I mean, not to me, but, you know, I, 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 I feel a lot of a lot of kinship with that path. And James, I absolutely want to hear what you're going to say. Well, I, I was going to say uh, you yeah. brought in that that quote. Um, the truth will set you th free, right? But uh, there's a novelist called David Foster Wallace who finishes up that quote. He says, the truth will set you free, but not until it's finished with you. And that seems to be the big problem, right? Is you get confronted with the truth and that's very easy to to say like, oh, the truth will set you free. But that doesn't explain to you that that horrible process of like, oh man, like, you know, when you come across something and you you sort of internally really have to admit like, yeah, all right, like maybe even years work years worth of work has just gone down the drain so that process is the real truth process in either admittance you know acceptance development or like motivated reasoning which has come up a lot on these podcasts of basically a lot of people are confronted by the truth and their immediate trajectory is like right how is the thing i used to believe still absolutely true like how is this wrong and that seems yeah. to be the big problem yeah yeah it's like the the um Am I forced to believe this? Where, whereas versus, am I allowed to believe this? Right? Um, thing. Yeah. Even in a lot of um, people who are sort of rationally orientated, they can sort of construct the world that is like high, high likelihood true, and then within that, there is the things that they would like to be true, and they still like fight the battle, right? Like of okay, mm -hmm. well, this isn't exactly disproven, so it may be right, right? So <laughs> you know, we could still hold on to that one. Um, you know, or or I'm not forced to believe this other thing, et cetera, et cetera. Right? You, you can you can still um play that game but uh, it's another, another thing i've learned and i think i've learned that at, at balena is that if you're being dragged in a certain direction just like at some point just realize the direction and just go there already you know like um uh, I, 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 a lot of the time so so for instance we make uh we now make hardware at balena right we make we make a little board um part we, we were a software company so we sold the, the vcs everybody bought into like the software startup that was going to do internal things but inevitably we understood that we had to actually make some sort of a hardware component which is not the main part but like we were forced to and 
you know, we were like, oh, maybe we do a little bit or maybe we modify something, et cetera, et cetera. And like the, every dilemma we faced was directionally going in a specific direction. And at some point I, I was like, and this has happened several times. I was like, look guys, this is clear where it's going. We can save ourselves, you know, year, like two years of like being dragged into that direction, but just biting the bullet, doing the thing, getting it over with, uh, rather than just like, I, I can tell already, right? We're going to have another five crises and there's not going to be a solution, but the solution is going to be that we're going to do <laughs> the thing. So might as well just, just go for it, right? So I think with, with the, tr the truth and what it does to you, a lot of the time it's kind of similar, right? You 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 see which like clusters of belief are getting eaten, eaten away. And instead of just saying like, look, this whole thing is just not stable. Like I can't, you know, I can't like patch it up. Like everything I do falls apart. Just like dump the whole thing um and, and move forward so save yourself some years uh but you know a lot of people will you know salami tactic the whole even if they are um sort of dedicated to the truth they will still salami tactic right <laughs> it's just like uh, how much can i give up but they keep doing it um that's the one thing um the the other thing is you know what's really easy uh to uh, how it's really easy to um be uh kind of like water with the truth like we we like uh, allow it to shape you is like not to take hardcore positions right like it's not to like set, set your foot down on something that you don't feel has good solid foundation right because once you do a lot of other things will activate to um and then you're fighting yourself right then then that's a whole other battle that you don't want to get into but like you can be careful in the first place, basically, um, of what you believe. And I think uh, Paul Graham has that um, uh, essay called Keep Your Identity Small, which I think is is brilliant. Um, it's like keep the, your, your castle, you know, the things that you will defend epistemically uh, fairly small. I I modify that to say, uh, you know, be, be strategic about your identity, right? You, you should put things in there that are worth defending or that you that you want those internal motivations of yours you're not we're not robots we're not you know uh, machines we we will do those things and we should embrace them but like steer them in the direction that is worth steering right like um one of the ideas i i often like, like broadcast is like occupy universe like we just have to go out there you know be among the stars whatever like that, that I feel is an idea that like I, I, I want to stretch myself and, and figure out if it's right or wrong and, and, and build it out, whatever. Like it's, it's, you know, team human, stuff like that, right? Like things that like, okay, if they're wrong, fine, they're wrong. But like, you know, nobody can say like, okay, you, you were like, um, you did it for your, for yourself or whatever. Like it's, it's ideas that like, you know, we, well, I don't want to say that, that we want them to be true and they're not necessarily um true or false really they are about objectives or right? they are about um instrument like you know goals terminal goals so uh, far more debatable uh but in general i think people should be um very careful what they put inside the the, the moat or whatever of their uh ego because that stuff you you like you know your programming is to die for those things right and maybe you won't get drive yourself that far but that's what you're like as far as your 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 firmware is your firmware is concerned, um, you know, losing on any of those things means that you probably will get like stabbed at the next tribal session or something, right? Like so, it's it's a lot of things activate to to defend that stuff. So you you should be very very careful what is in that perimeter, and if you can, like push them out yourself early. Like just say like, well, I don't know, maybe it looks looks you know, taking a far more Bayesian stance for to a lots of lots of, lots of things. 
is far easier to say, yeah, well, you know, the evidence shifted. Uh, nothing you can do about it. Yeah, Matt, there's a lot of stuff in there that I liked. Um, the idea of like when you take a, a solid position, it at the same time kind of makes you vulnerable. There are sort of, are you, you do you know the, um, the midwit meme? Uh, there's like a dumb person over it. here, and then a, a, yeah, it's my favorite. It's my meme I, I almost share everything I see with the, that meme. Oh yeah, but like more mid, I will retweet every midwit meme that you make because that is my favorite. Um, there's kind of a midwit meme aspect to the uh, keep your identity small, don't make conclusive conclusions very often kind of thing. On on one side, you have politicians and public figures who abuse the vulnerability of a specific position by refusing to ever take one in order to like be slimy and escape. And then there are the people who, you know, earnestly take one and then get beat up a lot. And then there's a skillful way to keep your uh, belief commitments small and to be, you know, supple and sensitive to new information while also kind of having a sense of uh, principles or, or core, core values or something like that. And so you can see how that that one issue can divide people between doing it like well or virtuously or doing it poorly or viciously um i think you know that that kind of indicates that there's something really important about this concept and i just wanted to share that yeah i mean actually in the better skeptics project we came up across this a lot right because we were analyzing text and there's qualifiers everywhere right like when people speak they will qualify things um and there was that, it was almost like a Rosark like picture, right? Is it weasel words or is it scientific quantification? Like qualifiers yeah. and like putting your, your, like your Bayesian like priors uh, plane, or is it like, um, yeah, like you, you want to say something, but you're like just asking questions, you know, like uh, that kind of, that kind of thing. And, and it's, and it's hard to know, I think um, that's where intellectual honesty and consistency comes in. And also I think there's a very like, I might be wrong on this, but like the way, an easy way that just comes to mind of how to figure that out is you ask people to tell you what their summation of the evidence is on something, right? And if they just refuse to say, like, look, it looks 80% X, right? Like, I'm not, I don't know, there is a 20%, but 80% looks like X. Or if you ask, like, okay, if you were forced to choose today, you know, do you take medication X or not in that situation, what would you do? If they refuse to say, right, they're, they're, they're weasel wording, they're, they're like, because they will have to make a decision, right? Like, like, you know, and, and, and hypotheticals can be used to frame people, right? And I don't want to, like, um, that. I can see why somebody might, like, be a little bit um, careful with answering those. But there are a lot of those that are not cagey at all, right? Um, so, yeah, if people refuse to, to it's, it's basically like, are they parsing their words so that there's not a statement that can be snipped, that can be used against them like a politician? Or are they being careful, like a, like a scientist, right? And a scientist will say, look, it, this is what it looks like. If I had to choose right now, I would do that. I'm not certain. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody else. Here's the data. Make up your own mind. But whatever, something like that. The other person would say, like, well, nobody should ever take a blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, that's not, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Have you found a way to make, uh, like, the kind of virtuous qualification sexy? Because it's kind of like on on Twitter, any argument or any debate is sort of like I'm reminded of Gladiator, where if like win the crowd and you win your freedom, it's not for you; it's for all the onlookers. The 
it seems like there's a there's an odds between putting intellectual honesty into words in that sort of careful sense and being uh you know triumphant looking have you felt that at all so 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 when when you say triumphant um can you can you give a little bit more on that sure sure yeah so like if if two people are having a debate on twitter if i say things are this way it seems it looks more conclusive it looks more powerful to the onlookers to the crowd that i'm trying to win over than to say the more honest thing which is it seems this way yeah is have you experienced have you have you like resolved this do you think about this at all um what's you know what's the way to work this yeah Again, I think it's the, the midway like readers at Segly Head, um, where you know there are some people that if, like, I, if you if I see somebody being like for sure this is it, I'm like yeah whatever. Like on, on things that are like you know uh, there's there's clear like you know the division of of, of, of um, opinion, and you're not bringing in some weird like counterintuitive but amazingly powerful argument on your side it's you're playing a game right like but a lot of it, it does work with a lot of people clearly right like um yeah. i i don't know you know like i think once you extend the, the timelines enough uh, incentives align and it does like you you will say something that you're sure about today and tomorrow you're gonna like be forced to say the opposite and somebody will find it and it'll be like what the hell and it's not like what you should do at that moment and say say i was an idiot right just like disclaim that but people don't they're like oh you know whatever I did, you didn't you misunderstood me or what yeah okay whatever i'm blind <laughs> i can't read um right so so i think once you stretch out long enough you just figure out that um that that, that the, the strategy of, of being careful epistemically uh pays off um i think that's true in general i think in the moment that we are right now it's like self-evident because things are changing so fast that like i think people who are employing the toolkit of like certainty and whatever they they have to wait like two weeks to look like idiots it doesn't doesn't take two years or two you know two decades like sometimes the next day you, you'll say something and you put it out there and you like make a big stance and, like literally the next day like two papers drop and you're like holy shit like, like you know that changes everything right and that's this happens every three days so um yeah, I think this particular environment is extremely dangerous for people who play with a playbook that uh, we've, you know, we've seen sort of workish uh, before. Now, like those those um, flaws are, are kind of plain because the data just changes so so quickly um, that yeah, you, you you really have to be careful and, and and the other thing i i look for a lot is is consistency right like applying the same standards of evidence across so um but i i don't know like yeah you have that that's that sort of like expressing certainty the, the my other favorite is uh somebody will make a claim fine but then they'll say and that's why you lose the argument it's like no nah, <laughs> you can't you can't do that um Right. But again, it's a certainty, but like on a, on a meta level about the, the summation of the evidence, right? Or something like that. Like they will just claim victory. Like the second part of the tweet is like claiming victory usually. 100%. Uh, are there, I, I think I've heard you mention a couple, but I'm interested in whatever heuristics you might have for identifying intellectual honesty. 
I mean, definitely, um, you know, when you're faced with a, a something that surprises you or just change your conclusion um, or just you just make a stupid error. Sometimes, you know, you mistype something like this morning. Somebody was like, hey, you like this thing. It says a stupid thing in there. Like, I, I can't believe you did that. And I read it and, you know, like I had read it really quickly. And I, the first half of what I read, like, was what I was endorsing. And I didn't really think it through. And it was just a stupid, like, who, you know, who cares, right? But they were right. The second half was far more dodgy than the first, right? Um, and, I, and I just had skimmed through and I didn't, I didn't uh, process it fully. And I was like, good point. Retracted, thanks, right? Like, it's, it's um, you, you make little mistakes all the time. To pretend that you don't is... I don't know. Uh, already <laughs> red flag, um, and then when you when you're when you're caught, to say good point. And, and honestly, uh, people think that that will make them look far worse than it does. Uh, it doesn't make them look bad at all to say like, hey, sorry, I didn't I didn't notice that. Good point. Um, and in fact, it was kind of funny because the the first reply to them is like, yeah, good luck getting Alex to to to, to recognize that. And I was like, yeah, good luck. I guess every day. <laughs> Like just, I mean, wait, dude, <laughs> just give it a shot. Um, but you know, it was that—that that is an easy one, right? And again, in any debate, first of all, the the other one actually, which is similar but not exactly the same, in any debate, and it really debate is the wrong word here, like uh, sort of uh, conversation. Um, you can construct a frame with the other person you're talking, you're speaking about, right? Like you you can throw them out easy things to accept, and they will accept them. If you say like you know we should do things that uh, have more benefit than, than harm, whatever, right? Like they'll be like, yeah, that's a good point. Like they, they will accept things that are easy. Like you just throw like very easy paces. If the other person chooses to fight you on that, you know what you're dealing with, right? Like they, they're not. Uh, it's like why would you do like if you're trying to if we're trying to come to a conclusion, why would you ever take something that is background knowledge, right? Uh, and start fighting in this. Like, it, like I want you to go to add your own piece on top, and like, let's construct a case that we can both agree on. Like, not like fight on like, you know, is you know, does gra is gravity real? Like, you know, how are we going to get anywhere? You know, but now, now we're just like throwing shit at each other. Uh, but so the, there are very easy ways actually to to figure that out. And yes, there are sophisticated players right that can that can evade that. Um, but honestly. I haven't seen them, to be completely honest with you. A lot of people will just, you know, very, very quickly um, reveal their true colors by, by, you know, just refusing to co-op, to, to play with the rules of conversation, basically. Yeah, 100%. James, is there something that you were waiting to uh, Well, add? I think maybe maybe just to, as an overview of uh, Alexandros' sort of process, we should, we should overview the, uh, the, the journey of the ivermectin thing that you've been dealing with and just how that sort of evolved through time and and anything you've sort of discovered from that process of looking into that in relation to you know where people's reactions to truth where truth is sort of hiding you know is there anything you've you've found from that process of looking into it that that surprised you in any sense sure so I, I will say again my, my entry into that world uh, and I, I try to make it clear as many times as I can right I'm not I'm not a biologist I'm not a medical doctor yes I, I have a PhD but not in like <laughs> medical or biology uh, related fields so I can read a paper but I can't like get into the details of like you know it, it, where does the RNA go into the cell or whatever um, I'm picking up as I go now but like that's, <laughs> that's not how I started um, 
So my, my entry into this stuff is by making, seeing clear points about intellectual honesty, right? If you ever hear somebody saying, oh, ivermectin is a horse dewormer, like that person is not serious, right? Like, no, it's been used billions of times on humans. It is a, is a, is a standard medicine that like everybody like in like the whole middle zone of Africa takes. So unless you're prepared to call those people livestock, shut your mouth. Like you're not, you know, like easy, easy. Like these are so easy. Like almost anyone who pays three seconds attention can um, uh, can just see easily, right? But there's a lot more and a lot more subtle, right? People playing with the like the risk profile, right? Like the risk profile of American, like just blowing up. Like was one person who had this weird side effect. It's like when billions of people take anything, right? That's the that's the vaccine argument, right? Like give you know billions of people like a, a, a peanut, like or or even like water. Like some of them will choke. Like, are we gonna like? Is that is that how we're gonna play this game, right? And again, that's where I come with the consistency because they will apply one standard to one thing and another standard to another thing. Um, and I want to start making that point a lot more now. Like, if you know, if if one, if you need a full blown, um, you know, three billion dollar uh, randomized control trial to ascertain X, then you should need the same to ascertain Y, right? Um, you should not be sort of willy nilly. And if that feels too much. For you then it should be too much in both cases right you can't mm -hmm. you, you can't play like that's a very very easy the more sophisticated players at the game that they play they will for some things a simple correlation is causation for other things um you're not serious because you're not following you know the full you know ceremony of, of you know medical research right so uh that that that's definitely another another thing that really kind of uh, gets my goat uh, if that is an expression that <laughs> makes sense to anybody, um, but um, the there's been a lot of that, and and and, and slowly, uh, and and I, I want to be careful not to sound too paranoid. Um, I've started to notice patterns, right? As I've been tracing these things and these these, these the specific words and specific like memes and how they spread, you start to come up like with very similar people who seem to be like on the forefront of of, of getting those things out. Um, and then you start to wonder, like, okay, what's happening here? Like, you make network graphs, you make, you know, different kinds of things. I did a lot of that with Lably, for instance, before before the Ivermectin saga of, um, you know, who has published with whom, right? Who has, who depends on whom for, you know, reputationally or, you know, uh, funding-wise or whatever. Uh, and then you start to see things, right? Because you see the same num names coming up all over the place, and they're like, no, I'm, I'm independent, you know, my, my, uh, let's say, uh, research uh, body is, is independent of the other research bodies. Like, yeah, but you both have received multiple hundred million dollar grants from the NIH. So, uh, you know, we you could claim that that doesn't do anything, but you can't say it didn't happen, <laughs> right? Um, for, like, say, and, and this is actually another thing that I, like, that I, I've seen it in, in both sides, right? People saying, oh, like, oh, you know, I'm objective. It's like, to me, that's like a red flag if, if there ever was one just directly. Like, you're not objective. Like, I don't care who you are, <laughs> right? Nobody is, so you're not either. Um, we're all sort of reflecting our own uh, perspective because reality is there. That's the thing. I, that's extremely important. It's not like I'm not sort of going into some sort of relativism here, right? Like, I'm saying because, like, the, the way I articulated this usually is with with a, a analogy of a camera. So if, if there is a flower, that a lot of cameras are taking photos of, we can compare the cameras by comparing their photos with the flower, right? If there is no flower, there is no photo, there is no camera, there's like, they're just generating random art at that point, right? Like, 
and 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 they are the authority in what they generated because it is coming from them purely and there's nothing to beyond that to talk about but if there isn't if we're if we're going to talk about reflecting reality then your depiction is necessarily going to be uh a lower grade from that and that's not a bad thing like you know a map is not like you know the, the usual um that's not what it's trying to do um but you know some people sort of see that even as a as like faulting them in some way so they will just kind of die on that hill of like no my i am objective like my perception is identical to reality which is like you know again very easy to say like okay that's not um somebody who's i mean that one i don't attribute a bad faith a lot of times it's just absence of sophistication right they just haven't thought through uh, a lot of these things um and again it depends on what you're trying to talk about uh to see whether you should take that uh, how, how seriously you should take that that that, that issue? Um, yeah, but um, it, it will be. I do want to codify a little bit uh, some of these sense making uh, things that I've been sort of doing. I think somewhat instinctively, uh, and a lot of that has been taken from the kind of the rationality community for sure. Uh, though again, I think my slight difference a lot of the time is that I I try to prove them out in in, in reality. So I've, I've filtered and, and augmented them in, in some ways, but um, a lot of the original body of of, uh, of ideas definitely comes from from there. The flower metaphor, the existence of reality out there is why we each have a different subjective viewpoint. Did you come up with that yourself? Because that's awesome. I really I, I like think that. So. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I did. I, I really I like haven't. That. I don't I, recall hearing yeah. it from anywhere else, but I've been, I've been struggling yeah. with this a lot, right? Because it's like... If you say the moment you say like our perceptions differ, like you just like count the milliseconds until somebody says it's all in your head, right? And it's, that's not yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> so I was trying right. to like yeah. capture how to like articulate that um, the you know if if I say I have objective reality, that is you know Mike Mike makes right, right? Like that is the that is relativism, right? Because yeah. it means that you like copy me right again but so reality doesn't exist rather than let's all figure this out right so so it's it's this weird thing where like admitting that you don't have full picture is what you do if you believe reality is real and claiming that you have full picture is what you know what reduces essentially epistemology to power which is full-blown relativism boom i think that i think that's the clip i'm going to share when i promote this episode that was fucking sweet the yeah that like i'm i'm feeling the midwit meme here again that the you know the you are in the middle no you are in the middle that makes me the that makes no, me the idiot makes me the idiot we're, though, we're, right? we're all in the middle we're all in the middle it, you know it what what they don't tell you about the midwit me is that it's a sine wave and you just like you're taking little snapshots of it. that's pretty good though that's pretty good the uh it's all, the way, it's all midweek memes all the way down it it really is I, i'm 100 convinced of that the, the 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 way i'm seeing it here is like there's the there's the sort of enlightenment view where science means objective reality exists and we all are kind of compelled by reason to agree with it and agree with each other uh and you just present the evidence and anyone who disagrees is a moron which is weird because if it was so compelling then how could they disagree but like anyway and then this the reaction to that is the sort of postmodern everyone just has their own perspective and reality is socially constructed or whatever and then the sort of synthesis of those things is something like what you're saying with respect to 
it's by virtue of the fact that there is an objective reality that we have subjective experience and that they're valid and that they're um, you know something something to contend contend with in, in a way that's real. Um, I, I I like that a lot, and it's it's also we we get objections. Idea Market is 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 building a marketplace that basically lets the public decide using risk management what's worthy of attention so that the public can manage uh, you know, what gets called public narratives instead of having to rely on institutions to rubber stamp things and deal with all the power plays that are involved in those processes. And one of the objections that we get a lot, particularly from really educated, smart people and economists and stuff like that, is won't... Isn't this a Keynesian beauty contest kind of implying, doesn't it, isn't there no, won't there be no pattern to what people surface in a market? Because everyone has their own opinions, everyone has their own preferences. And I think the resolution to that is something very much like this flower metaphor. It's the sense that because we live in a shared reality, it is not only safe, but imperative to allow subjective uh, competition to happen in, in an unobstructed way. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it's really interesting to see how this sort of everything is subjective uh, memes meme memeplex is, is spread. And as you say, right, to people who, I mean, I would say should know better, but definitely have a lot of the uh, background to have all the education, et cetera, et cetera, which actually drives a lot of my skepticism about. That said, education, but um, the 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 I I think there's a it, this comes back to the, the the feedback loop ideas and all of those things, right? Like I think we have a, a growing class of of folks that um, their entire life has been socially constructed. Like they've not had a problem that they couldn't argue their way out of, right? Like everybody they interact with is reflexively putting their own feelings back to them. Like they care about what they think, right? Um, and therefore they will not sort of hurt their feelings, right? They like, it's all like, you know, uh, bouncy castle padded situations that you you go through. And, you know, it used to be like just for little kids and then, you know, we, we took it all the way through. And then they said, well, you know, corporations surely will uh, put a stop to this. And like, I mean, a little bit, but not, not a ton. Um, we'll see where we hit the wall with this. But, um, you know, you, you can think of people whose entire you know, like if you are, um, uh, uh, the, the way I describe that is like if you have a block of wood, right, and you're doing woodworking, right, and you want to make it flat because you want to make a thing, like you can't argue it into being flat. Like no matter how many tears you cry on that block of wood, it's still not <laughs> flat. You know, you can be passive aggressive with it. You can blame it. You can do all sorts of things. It will just absolutely not, not give a hoot. It will just stay crooked, right? Because you didn't make it flat. If you do the things that make it flat, it will become flat, whether you care about it or not, right? That's a feedback loop, right? That's you and reality interacting in a way that doesn't um, care about your feelings, basically, right? It doesn't, like, your, your feelings should care about reality, not the other way around. Um, but since we, you know, this kind of like suffering has been like any sort of negative uh, feedback has been like demonized and we like are basically editing it out of our, of our lives, um, I, I, I construct some sort of understanding of why somebody, like it, it used to baffle me entirely. Like I can't possibly imagine why somebody would think that. Right. But then if you think about it, right, you, you know, you grow up, you, 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 you're pretty well off. 
you you know you go to a nice school and you go to like a high level like Ivy League whatever then you you're shepherded into like your 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 job at the New York Times or McKinsey or whatever and and at no point in that like path you played the game fine you've done what you should do but like everybody's like always being super nice to you and if something goes wrong they're like you know they're, they're like say it very kindly and if you get in trouble they'll they'll look the other way whatever it's like you know um, how would they <laughs> You know, what opportunities do they have to actually, you know, bash their heads into a wall uh, in, in a good way, right? Like to just humble themselves, like very few. So that that's what you get. Like that's the world we designed and that's the the, the, the results we, we, we get out of that. What opportunities have you had to humble yourself? I mean, starting a company is, uh, you know, a thousand times this, right? Like yeah. to me, that was like part of that, that, that whole thing because um, when you ask people to give you their money to buy a product. Um, you are a hunter-gatherer, right? Like there's no uh, there's no fence between you and their their anger if something breaks. Uh, they they like they, their skin in the game is different than your skin in the game. Like they don't like they want your stuff to work and you want your stuff to work, but they don't care about your feelings, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> like you are like not six number sixteen on the list, um, and you're gonna hear it. So um, or you just gonna get ignored. Right? Nobody is like, ah, yeah, it's good. You know, they'll say the nice things, right? Um, uh, a good friend of mine uh, has this book out called The Mom Test, where basically the whole point is like, don't ask your mom if you if she thinks your startup idea is good. And if you do, don't say, do you like my idea? Because she's going to say yes. But um, the point is like, are people going to give you money for it? Are people going to actually not like report that they would give you money, but actually give you money, right? Like, and, and that, um, there's a lot of that, like with investors, with uh, employees, with, um, you know, all, all sorts of things. And then you try things in reality. You're like, okay, we'll build this this way and it will work. It'll take this long, whatever. You're, co- you're constantly doing that, right? Like then that's what, what, I, what, I, what I love. And honestly, this is kind of why I've been doing this for about a decade now. So, um, and, and the way we work internally at Balena is like, we have a lot of that kind of dojo where we just jump in and we talk about problems like, as much as possible, of course, there's always that subtle power dynamic, but as much as possible as equals. Right? And people correct me all the time and they're encouraged to do so, and, you know, because I want to I want to be right. I don't want to be like, uh, you know, a, a, a praised. I want to actually be correct because it matters. Right. It matters for me and it matters for everybody and everybody's a shareholder. And that's also for similar reasons. But like we are doing everything we can so that we look at reality as, as closely as we can. We never can have a full accounting, of course, um, and sort of try to manipulate it, which is the important part, right? You, you, can, you can look at reality and like accept that is like, everything is gonna be amazing or everything is gonna be terrible, but like that middle ground where you're like, I could do something and what I do matters and like actually testing yourself against it, um, that, that really, that, that, can, that can really suck. But I, I think it's that when it's done with you thing, right? Like it's not, it doesn't really suck once you know what you're in in, in for. Um, but if if you've not been sort of uh, uh, fed uh, that, that that sort of worldview or somehow um, eased into it, it can it can be a shock. Yeah. That idea of the entrepreneur being in the wilderness, being the hunter gatherer, and just having no, you know, barrier between oneself and the feedback and oneself in reality. I think that, that, you know, seems to connect with what you were saying about the people who just kind of get on the uh, conveyor belt into McKinsey or some giant institution that they have this 
this cushion of institutionalness and you can wear the name like a thousand foot blanket and then nothing can really uh, impact it. And there's this, there's this sort of detachment from consequences. And I don't think that was intentional in institution building, but it's just kind of what ends up happening that, you know, responsibility and consequences get diffused across a whole organization and many hands make light work. And you just feel sort of, you don't, you don't feel the reality of it. Like when, if you start a lemonade stand and someone drinks your lemonade and dies, like that's going to change your life. But if you're the CEO of Walmart and someone drinks Walmart's lemonade and dies, it's not even going to make it to your desk. Like there's this diffusion of responsibility and it makes me uh, hopeful that uh, the internet and uh, allowing people to start businesses, I don't want to say more easily, but more easily and have, have control over their own, you know, productive income and independence more easily. There might be something here in the future of, of education that, you know, it's less about prestige and credentials and institutional paths and more about that kind of responsibility that gets built up by having high stakes all the time, by having a quick feedback loop between action and consequences. And I think entrepreneurship is awesome for that. I like the way you described that. Yeah, that's just cool. And it has, has me thinking about that. So the, I, I think, you, yeah, it, it definitely resonates as well. Like the, this is something I think about a lot as we structure Belaine internally, right? Like uh, our team, yeah. because essentially what happens is a, is a constant editing, right? Of negative uh, potential for negative experiences gets edited out. Um, and before you know it, you just have, again, the bouncy castle we created. And the bouncy castle is a, is a problem because everybody can do their job perfectly and the, the system does something completely idiotic, right? And you're like, how did that happen? It's like, well, you know, systemic X, right? Okay, great. But whose fault is it? Like nobody. Okay, that's not only a problem because you, you can't uh, attribute the problem, but also like nobody gets that feedback, right? Like, so nobody's gonna wanna fix it. So um, uh, as we structure my, my my it's not exactly that like we're gonna end up with like, you know, a hundred little businesses or something like that, but it should be functionally, like there should be a path to feedback for everybody. Like that's, kind of, we, we, we have this like archetype of the product builder at Belena, uh, and we try to modify our software architecture to enable that on the product level and on the on the individual level of everybody builds their product right and their product is their thing and it's defined it's like something specific it's not like you know you have a fractional product that you're building like a, a small fraction of a big company or something no it's like you're building this you are a platform for the rest of the team right they rely on you for this component um which it like makes sense sort of the boundaries make sense uh, power and responsibility basically should if, if there's one rule about organizational design that I uh, I keep coming back to is like power and responsibility, you know, the Spider-Man rule, I guess, right? Uh, power and responsibility should, should match. If you have people with responsibility and no power or power and no responsibility, all, you know, you, you know, we can talk until the cows can home, uh, come home about how many issues stem from exactly that one rule. So if you start from that rule and start designing the organization, um, you're going to see very interesting things. Uh, so, yeah. For instance, just an example, we noticed that a lot of the team would, um, because we, we we try not to structure ourselves completely in the classical way, but we do make mistakes over over time and we try to course correct. So at some point there was like quite a division between 
the like the engineering and like product building side and the more the financial and like dealing with investors and like the board and all that stuff. Um, and it was sensed by some sort of bitterness showing up on both sides because the one side did not know what we were dealing with on the other side, right? What pushback we were getting and what we needed to present. And we just kept getting these requests that were like kind of disruptive and then like, what's the deal? And then the other side feels like they're not appreciated. It's like, dude, we are like fighting the battle of the century here on the board. Like, you know, there's like all these big issues that like if you let them fly through, like you guys are going to be in trouble. Like, but you know, we're, we're, but you don't know what we're defending you from, right? Because you don't know the conversation. So you don't, you, however much like you like the person and you like abstractly like trust them, you don't realize what it is that is happening and why it is that they're asking what they're asking for. So, so that's, I think the point at which we really realized that we needed to be a lot more uh, intentional about matching those things up, because the, the moment you allow them to 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 sort of start to separate, um, you you even if starting with the best intents and the best kind of people, um, you will get that sort of um, siloization and you know all of, all the all the bad things and 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 but also emotionally like you get a cynicism ultimately because you can't. Um, you can't construct a model of what's happening and why, right? So you just end up with like a, a basic conspiracy theory, like that's the, the, the ultimate bottom line of uh, making a theory of like there, there's bad people out there and everything that happens is like, you know, to, to make me miserable or whatever, like some, you know, some very basic thing that explains everything because it explains nothing. But people will intuitively come to that if they don't have enough information to constrain that theory out of their out of their mind. Um, so the, the less information you share, the more likely people are to become cynical. And, and, and I mean, I don't have the data on this, but it's also not like super doubted that like the larger the organization is the less productive they are per per employee. Right. Yeah, that that would certainly make sense. There are a lot of things I want to ask, but I want to. Get... I don't know if I if I took it in the direction where you were trying to go, or uh, no, sideways. not at all. I I had I had nothing planned. I uh, I I'm just taking a strategic pause because there's about five different things I'd 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 like to mention, but I also want to give James the chance to speak well, if you have something. I, I was mind. I was just going to venture into the long short question. So if you've still got something yeah. on, uh, yeah, I no, mean, let's let's because, do this. Uh, because it's clear there's a. Uh, we sort of focused on the, I guess, the truth angle, the truth, uh, dire- you know, direction here. But we have a couple of questions as as idea markets sort of focused on uh, markets ideas. Um, basically, the first one would be what is an idea or something going on at the moment or recently or you think might be coming about that you firstly, you are short on something that maybe everyone else is like, yeah, this is this is amazing this is the dream this is going to be great and you've been thinking no 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 i'm sure on this this is this isn't going to go how you guys think it is <laughs> um i'm going to say antinatalism is that is that going is that big now is that as i count as big because i'm I'd really sure i'd say it's big i'd say it's I'm big i'm really sure uh, I think there's this idea that we've gotten into ourselves that we have to live within our means as a as a planet as a civilization as a whatever and it's kind of prudent, right? If you if you think of like a, a zero sum situation, like oh, we should all share within that, you know, the wealth that there is, and you know, we shouldn't be selfish and uh, you know, uh, claiming more resources than you know we are morally entitled to, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and to me, like that's all great, except this is n- like no species has ever done that and lived. You know, like it's it's pretty serious. 
Like the, the, biologically, this is extremely implausible that we'll be able to pull that off. Like I, I, it's not known to happen, right? Like you either grow or you die, uh, as far as I can tell. So I, I take that extremely seriously. And and, and again, it, it seems to me like another thing where our instincts are taking us one way and we've educated ourselves out of it uh, in, in ways mm -hmm. that are like really pernicious. Um, but to me, like, if we are running out of resources on Earth, good, there's other planets. We need to go there. Um, there you know, whatever, like mine asteroids. Um, but actually, even like Rocco had this great uh, blog post about how the Earth can support like a few trillion people easily. You know, like what's, you know, what's the boundary? Like, because it's a meme, right? It's like, oh, we don't have enough energy is like have you seen the sun have you any idea how much it like sends down like daily like are you serious we are right energy gonna run out of water have you been in the sea do you know what we can do with energy and water like even salt water we can make it into drinkable water do you know what we can farm with drinkable like infinite drinkable water? like it's, it's you know it, it doesn't end so you know we just have this weird like we have to sustain the, the earth like in like this also like this kind of like stasis and it's like again never happened like the earth was never in stasis like to try to hold the earth in stasis is to go against what the earth wants to do um so we just instead of just accepting that we are a species in this game and we will do what we will do and we should sort of maybe try to do that in, in, as as um according to our principles as, as we can but you know going out there is like not you know like that's as natural as anything right like the, the exploration instinct and to find new lands. I mean, the, the, the fact that people are shaming, you know, billionaires for like not spending their money on like hookers and cocaine or whatever, but uh, like rockets, it's just like melts my brain. Like I, I can't, I can't fully uh, process it, but like it's all coming down from that one thing, which is like, we have problems down here on earth and we have to live within our means, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, we are human. We are general intelligence. We can invent shit, like do it. Like stop like locking yourself into that, tiny thing as if like you know new technology has never been invented before it's like <laughs> yeah i don't know it, it just it, i can you see you see by my my ranting that like i you know it really touches deeply within me like this thing of like i'm not going to have children because the earth is is just um yeah i i, I yeah i have i have real problems with it. <laughs> so antinatalism is like the midwit meme again it's like have babies and then a huge paragraph and then just have babies uh, baby. <laughs> That's right. It's pretty much early on. You know, be be fruitful, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm combining the Bible verse with with the with the Spock thing. Go forth and prosper. Be fruitful and prosper. Be fruitful and multiply. There it is. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Go forth yeah. and multiply. Yeah. There we go. That's that's that's. So that's, where, that's I mean, exactly. do you think that in the end, then, as you say, we're educating ourselves out of instincts? Uh, I mean, we're seeing this all over the place with people like pushing the agenda of like, you know, as you say, like, oh, I, I want to have kids, but, you know, it's bad for the environment, bad for the planet. Do you think ultimately at a certain, maybe even at a certain age, instincts just will always win? Not always. I, I, I think there's um, to go to slightly more controversial sources, controversial sources. Um, Michael Malice has this thing where like you can you can train a smart dog better than you can train a dumb dog or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, like, I, I, you know, education seems to be able to beat. And, and then, you know, it's not just the education. Right? You commit yourself to it. You go out publicly, you tweet about it, whatever. People know you for it. And then you just, uh, that's another Yukowski thing, actually, that we're not uh, fitness maximizers. We're, uh, we're, we're uh, adaptation executors, right? Like we, 
we run the program we run, which tends to be fitness maximizing, but we are not ourselves intentionally maximizing fitness. You know, like so if the signaling instinct takes over from the uh, reproduction instinct, that could go your whole life. And that, you know, there's nothing to stop it. Like there's not going to be like, you know, Darwin's hand coming down to like force you to do something or whatever. Might, he might give you an award, but he's not going to like stop mm. you from, <laughs> from doing something completely silly. Um, so yeah, so sadly, you, so, you, so there might be, you know, antinatalism might fail, but we might end up in like idiocracy. So the smart people are all well-trained in the, in the signaling of like, sustainability and basically all it means is not to be not to be around the bush my own opinion that the not smart people just end up breeding loads and, and that might improve oh. over what we've got going on right now actually <laughs> well if our if our smart people allowed themselves to fall into that hole the question is how smart are they and maybe we do need something that is not considered smart today to to, to breed a little bit to get out of that you know maybe maybe our smart people today grew up in a like we're selected in an environment where uh trusting the authorities was a good idea um and we need a little bit of the other uh, ingredient uh to to come into the the four where you know it's like i'll i'll hear you out because you're an authority but you still have to make your case and if you don't make your case you know you don't make your case uh and we're gonna have to live with that <laughs> it's not it's not my fault you're incompetent but if you're incompetent you're incompetent so like i think yeah i don't know um i, I think it, you know fitness is a is a is sometimes is a lot smarter than we give it credit for. Um, yeah. So honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't tell, but I also think that uh, we're at the cusp of, you know, uh, gene editing, like we've never seen before. So the, the, the traditional sort of, you know, intelligence increase and all of that stuff, I think is not relevant in the, uh, the timelines we're playing in right now. Like uh, we are, our power to modify ourselves is far, is growing far faster than our, you know, the the very low grade eugenics experiment that we're we're like that is you know any species uh so i don't yeah i think that the, it gets dominated by the um by our the, the the rise in our capacity to 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 read write our, our, our own uh genetic code so on the flip side would that be the thing you'd say you're you're long on is gene editing and or is there something else out there at the moment that you think uh is needs I, needs hype i'd say i'm long um the paradigm of the uh, commercial charity let's call it right like the 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 paradigm of starting a company that does a good thing in the world and makes money while doing it like um so elon musk basically right like he could have started a nonprofit that would have tried to like i don't know fight climate change or something right and he would not have made it like an inch the, the 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 like one percent of the difference he has made by starting a company that is held again feedback loops all the way right like is held to a standard of building a great product and therefore has to do a really good job of it right they, they've, they've put their necks and their names on the line in a way that in the charity everybody will just pat you on the back and say like oh you're such a good person you know you're just working on this thing oh my god you know get invited to cocktail parties but like you know uh, the, the the motivation to actually accomplish the goal is low uh, I, I, I think that the um, union of the ability to, the, the increase in the potential of the individual, right, or a small team is, you know, like the, the fact that like a private company sent, uh, you know, something to orbit and then a few companies did it, right? Like it's not just SpaceX right now, there's Rocket Lab, there's, there's, a, there's uh, I mean, there's Blue Origin, I guess. 
there's a few others. I mean, Blurgeon hasn't really gone COVID yet. Haha. Um, but um, the um, you know they're focusing on that uh, lawsuit actually. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, everybody has to build their their core skill, I guess. Um, the um, you know, uh, Virgin did it recently, though, and there's a bunch of others. Uh, Relativity Space is one that I'm looking at very much. That are just doing things that used to be a state actor thing, right? Like you used to be, you need to be a state actor to do that. And now it's like, hey, wh whatever, we're just gonna get in a like relativity space. Those guys are like in insane, right? Like um, they 3D print rockets. Like what? You should see that video. Seriously, if, you, if, if your your audience hasn't, um, just watch the video from Bloomberg on these guys, and and just your mind melts, right? Like, but that capability that grows into the individual and the small team. Combined with the ability to, um, to, to, well, proof of concept, I would say, from 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 Tesla and SpaceX and uh, a lot of the other things that Elon is doing himself, which I, I really would like us not to be dependent on a single human, but hey, here we are. Um, you know, I, I'd love to see that path followed by others, and I, and I think it it's it's a thing that's getting more and more accepted, right? Instead of McKinsey, a startup, I think a lot of people are are being drawn to that. Um, I think the startup game itself has its own pitfalls right now, but again, I think that's a step in the process of realizing truly what's possible. Um, and we're and we keep adding capabilities to the individual. So, like, as worried as I am that some uh, nitwit is going to take the next virus and modify it in their basement, um, the upshot of that is um, that you know the, the capabilities of the individual are becoming ever uh, ever greater um, and combined with the fact that we now know that you can make a real dent on on matters of importance by starting a, a, a actual company um I, I you know i think that is kind of derided a lot as like a silicon valley sort of naivete or whatever and i don't i don't think the case has been made uh convincingly that that is it can be but it doesn't have to be so that's what I'd love. To, I'd love to see just people trying stuff and just going out there and building crazy shit and failing and succeeding and you know iterating and just 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 keep pushing the boundaries because if we expect our institutions to do that, yeah, good luck. It's not. It's just like yeah, that hmm. happened. Yeah, Elon built a hell of a lemonade stand. That's uh, you know it, I, I love the point that, it, that it's basically one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one one guy as a state actor. I mean, it's not. It's not just him, but I mean, he probably could fund it with his own network. But I mean, the the leverage that is that individuals can accrue is just mind-boggling, and it raises the stakes so high in both directions that uh, yeah, someone probably could engineer a virus in their basement or worse, uh, and at the same time. Um, well, I was I was trying to escape this, but I can't really. I'm kind of <laughs> go for I, it. Just, just, I've just been sure. I've been okay. So I was going through. I was going through a, a pretty depressed period of my life, maybe six six years ago. And as kind of a coping thing, I was uh, I was a big Reddit user. And what I liked to do is find things that are uh, taboo and obviously true and just build a really ironclad case for it and make a big comment and go boom and just paste it into Reddit where it'd be super visible and upset a bunch of people, but convert a bunch of people. And uh, one of the things I did this for was uh, UFOs. 
there are, you know, just the the history of the study of the phenomenon and how many, you know, generals and astronauts and presidents and stuff like that have in one way or another validated the existence of UFOs as physical objects and like the radar records and all that stuff and the patents owned by the US Navy. Like it's it's a pretty weird uh spectrum of information that's out there and it's and it's just so it's it's so substantial and i've heard a lot of stories uh some of which are from from people that i know personally of uh people who have invented crazy things that then get like they get silenced about they invent rockets that can go the speed of light or whatever they invent uh, craft that distort gravity and don't even you know bother to deal with it at all and we can go to the moon and jupiter like it's going to mcdonald's and there's just like this whole separate kind of aspect of of technology that makes the technology that we deal with in even like political and nation state level affairs uh, look completely fake and the the lever, the level of 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 leverage that accrues to the individual now is nothing compared to the leverage an individual will have when and if that stuff becomes doable in public uh, and at scale. And I don't, I don't know if you have particular. I, I'm, I'm definitely interested in your thoughts on that, like the plausibility of any of those things or anything that you might have heard that's similar or contrary. But it does. It seems pretty reasonable. Uh, to me, at least, considering uh, accepted human flight was invented in 1903, and just like 50 or 60 years later, you have the SR-71, and then what? We just plateau right there and never develop anything? Yeah. Like, that was some pretty ridiculous growth. And, uh, you know, we're still, Elon Musk even, is still just building missiles that point up. Like, it's yep. very sort of primitive. It's Von Braunian. It's It's, you know, it's... It's ape. It's ape space stuff. Uh, but yeah, like I, I'm interested in you know whatever reactions all that may have caused in you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I got a few. <laughs> so um, I mean, on the one hand, I haven't dug into this whole thing at all, including the latest sort of stuff that came out. That like uh, I've been sort of preoccupied with other things, as you may have been aware of and uh, just like sure. my mind space has just not gone there uh, ever since like i don't know i was like a, a teenager reading the local like greek uh, third eye conspiracy magazine uh since then i don't think i've delved into like ufo uh ology um but so i will say one thing that sounds to me obviously true which is that uh the capabilities that are out there are ridiculous and it's kind of obviously weirdly true like that there's so much potential in the technology space i can i've seen that with my own eyes like what uh what i you know what what i can do and what i've seen others do that is just not considered um doable until it's done and then it's like oh okay sure whatever you know or or or, or like how ideas very often die on the path to realization, not on the prototype. So you can get the prototype and then somehow, sometimes for, for legitimate reasons, right? Like you can't mass produce it, you can't whatever, so it fails there. Or um, it um, it gets like scuttled or, you know, whatever interests um, 
a very interesting story here, uh, which will take us back to the original uh, subject a little bit, but it's it's fascinating on its own right. If you hear uh, Robert Malone's story of how the invention of the kind of the, the concept of the mRNA vaccine, not the current vaccines, the concept of the vaccine, just to be clear. Um, when, Thank you for slowing way, way down for everyone on that. Like yes, that's, that's a necessary step. Yeah. The people need to understand, like it's not, nobody's, at least the, the man himself does not claim to have invented these current vaccines. Like just the, it's like, you know, there is the, the Kitty Hawk and then there's the 747. And just because the Wright brothers did not invent the 747 does not mean they did not invent the airplane. Right. Uh, but anyway, um, the, um so uh, his story if you hear it he, he actually um said it on a podcast that i kind of listened to intently and i kind of, I, I actually wrote a, down a part of it in the thread but um the first part of that is the story of, of the invention it's fascinating right because the moment he kind of like the way he describes it is like he had like a very virtuous moment of being like right in the middle of all the right technologies though nobody knew that they were the right technologies and that they fit and so basically wherever he looked, he would find another piece and he would throw it at the thing and it would fit. <laughs> like he just made rapid, rapid progress that wasn't supposed to be possible. Um, but the moment that it became clear that his thing worked, like everybody just jumped at it to like claim credit and sort of in the process discredit him for it. And, you know, it was so suddenly it wasn't his idea. And, you know, all of these things, a lot of drama happened, which actually ended up giving him by his by his record, like post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, because, you know, the lawyers come in, you can't talk to this person about that. And the other lawyers are threatening you like you're just a scientist, right? Like what you want is to be in the lab and invent shit. And like so all of a sudden you're like going meeting to meeting, getting threatened and like, you know, just all this crazy shit throwing at, thrown at you uh, for having done something good. Right. Which is like just, you know, absolutely like it must like really hurt. But um, th that pattern is fascinating, right? Because this is not how you expect it to go, right? When you invent something new and, and just clearly powerful, right? Um, you don't expect it to, A, cause everybody to hate you, and B, what actually ended up happening, by his recollection, but I also have checked out uh, a lot of that, is that Merck bought the patents. They couldn't continue it because they he wasn't part of the game. And if you know with biology, this is a common story where, like, what you publish and the the embodiment, the embodied details of like exactly how you do it are like slightly different because you can't really capture everything. So they, they just couldn't make the experiments work and they just shelved it. But they haunted anybody who tried to do anything with it, right? So then um, for effectively until not too long ago, like in, in I think in this decade, if not previous one, uh, well, in the 2010s, if not in the 2000s, is when those patents ultimately expired and a lot of the research was allowed to continue. Um, so, you, so that's an example that comes to mind about something that was invented that was like completely ahead of its time, and then it just got caught in the in the cogs in a way that like delayed it by like easily, uh, let's say from 89 to 2019 is what? Uh, it's like 30 years. Yeah, 30 years. I was born like, in Easily three so. decades just just gone for a technology that you know we, we could have not like some people are shouting at their at their monitors like you know if it could be delayed for another 30 years that would be great but that's besides the point um so like I, at the same time though that also tells me about how it sadly is possible that we could have gone to the sr71 and then nothing right because institutional 
um, we basically had, in my mind, the, the way I, I process this, and I might be completely wrong, like the, the way institutional power has, has worked and, and, and sort of the filtering that it does to people, you know, we had the Second World War generation that felt the feedback loop like directly and maybe they're like direct uh, instructees. But since like, you know, at some point physics decided to do like string theory or whatever, and it's like, you know, a lot of great minds went into, you know, holes that were ultimately, you know, a lot of, um, you know, self, self-pleasuring and very little, uh, you know, result. Um, so I, I, sadly, I can't imagine why that would happen in, in ways that are like non-guilty. Uh, but at the same time, I also, yeah, I also know that there's a lot of room for uh, uh, creativity that like I've conferred myself. And I also know that Technology does get classified. That was amazing, and it just gets retroactively like marked as like ITAR or whatever. And then you either go to some remote village that they tell you to go to to work on it, or you can't work on it anymore. Uh, so all of these things can can happen. Uh, the on the on the on the UFO thing, you know, like what would be really cool. I, I was thinking about it as you were saying it. Uh, it would be great. Um, so we did the better skeptics challenge, right, where we put like some uh, really some 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 uh, material uh, to real like hardcore uh, sort of uh, stress test. Um, and the next time we want to do something where we have like ideally dueling materials, right? So you have like a couple of texts maybe from like the opposing perspective and just uh, expose them to like the acid test of reality. So if you're up for it, we could try to find um, good material on both ends. Like, I, again, I haven't dug into that, but I it is interesting. And it's the sort of thing where, you know, the signal and the noise can get intertwined in very interesting ways. Um, and I'd be fascinated to try to find some some good pro and con, you know, materials that are like well encapsulating their respective positions, which I can imagine might exist. And I can imagine you might even know what they are. Um, and, and to to sort of, you know, expose them to, you know, the, 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 the harsh uh, test of the Internet and see what happens. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Honestly, I... I before the recent wave, I would have completely dismissed it. I, I gotta say, even now, like I'm like, you know, I have a lot of other things that like come in con conflict with it, but I'm also super naive to it, so I have no. Um, my, my my opinion is is both weak and weakly held in this on this regard. It's like it's I I, I I'm mostly agnostic. Like I don't yeah. Got it. Yeah, I would I would love to participate in that. I would I would love to contribute. That would be super awesome. Um, the the UFO thing is is interesting not only for like the phenomenology of it, but the um, the implications for like the climate crisis and energy stuff and all the things that you were saying earlier. Like we do not have a resource deficiency, and if if we have the ability to mine asteroids already, like just personally. Uh, then we have even less of a resource constraint, and that would be that would be a weird universe to suddenly be living in. Um, I thank you for bringing up better skeptics too, because I'm obviously fascinated with epistemology experiments, particularly using the internet. I would love to hear more about that, and what your vision is, and what other kinds of uh, frameworks you're going to play with, and just yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, so so better skeptics, we 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 honestly. Um, it was fascinating to me because I, I, I think I said when before we started, we have no idea where this is going to end up. And truly, we had no idea where it was going to end up, like what happened with it. 
Um, and uh, honestly, it was really, I, I kind of, what people may have misunderstood about it is that it truly was from, the audience was me, right, on, on, that, on that challenge. I wanted to know for myself if the material was good or not. So every, everybody else who gets value out of that is great. I'm happy, but like, um, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you're just propagandizing for the, yeah, sure. I am, I'm literally funding people to, to like create like the most like lethal memes that will be mined against the, 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 you know, people that I actually consider to be high quality people because I am propagandizing. That's, you got to exactly correct. No, I, what they're saying is pretty fucking terrible and I both find it plausible and don't want it to be true. So I want to know what the other side is. And honestly, uh, what came out of that was like, yes, there were um, errors, as you would expect, fewer than I expected um, for a 11 hours of spoken word on, on high, um, uh, you know, on very low uh, confidence, let's say, issues. And they like the people stuck their neck out, necks out, right? Like this wasn't like some sort of like talking about like, oh, you know, well, maybe possibly like, they like went all out, right? Like, and, and the fact that we didn't find like, I don't know, a wealth of like, it's either because the submissions weren't very good or the, um, or there wasn't that much to find. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, a lot of people criticize the process, which I find very humorous because A, um, two of the referees have come out. One we knew, but he was a, also a very good friend of mine, so I, I knew he wouldn't uh, sort of uh, dismiss the, the do, do a bad job just because he didn't like Brett. But he did not like Brett. Um, so I forgot if anybody uh, knows who that that is. Uh, he's like an old school rationalist. Um, and um, the the other one came out afterwards and said, yeah, I think it's responsible what they did, whatever, whatever, which we did not know, but we did not also filter for, right? So we didn't ask like, were you, what do you think about Brett or whatever? We just said, you seem to be a smart person. Um, you seem, you know, you want to do this, let's do this, right? And the third one was recommended by someone who ended up having like ridiculous bias, right? So, so, but, but he himself was far more uh, measured. So, um, we had three referees essentially that were all like dubiously sourced, let's call it, right? Like, like definitely not like they could be accused of the opposite, but not of the uh, of the of the case that they were like in favor uh, or wanted to like to come clean. And then a lot of it comes down to the mechanism, right? We said falsification is the standard. We're not going to go for like fact checkers. We're not going to be like we're not going to validate things. We're going to invalidate things, right? Um, which is like a well understood, you know, like I didn't invent. You know, popper. <laughs> People know who that is. Um, and I said the standard is that. And we added. I, I did it like cautiously, and I, I and as a as a like as a concession essentially to say like, okay, if you show that there's like a high probability of being false, even if it's not like if you don't prove it's false, if you don't truly falsify, we're gonna count that too. And, you know, people are like, well, you know, but uh, you, you didn't, like, give enough, like, you know, weight to, like, the probability of stuff. It's like, no, th that's the point. Like, if you show me a bad piece of content, I can falsify it all day long with, like, hard falsification. I can, I can live up to that standard that I set for everybody else. Um, or at least I think so. You know, if somebody can set up that process, I, I'll be happy to oblige. Um, but um, so, so at that point, like, we've got the objective-ish standard of falsification. We've got referees that are, like, not positively inclined or at least don't you know don't um are not sourced in a way that would make them positively inclined in fact uh if anything uh the opposite and the result is that we didn't find very much uh to correct and and, and i think we found less than we should have really because 
um, the, the the submissions were probably could have been higher quality, but they focused on details that were actually easily uh, discredited, right? So my my standard was like we should find at least ten things, and we found like three, and we like we salvaged another two that weren't actually didn't actually pass what we thought they could be like steel managed to something that would pass. So we 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 put those there too. So so that whole process to me was incredible because it showed that you can make a process that even with unreliable this was the 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 spec that we had set out for ourselves right you, with an unreliable specific with, an, un, with unreliable inputs um and a and a and a fairly uh, uh clean process you can end up with uh collective intelligence like something better than the inputs nothing is truth nothing is like objectivity we're not backing down on those claims but something that is more informative than the inputs themselves right and definitely more distilled um so to me we like that got accomplished really more than I expected to see it accomplished. Uh, so that format is something we want to try more of. We got some modifications, of course, like uh, everything, you know, this is the first uh, the first sort of uh, version. Um, there's definitely things we could have done better. Um, but I, I'm, I'm really amazed that it held uh, at the level that it did did hold. Um, and, and that the result yeah, I, I would, I would, uh, you know, I can st stand behind, right? Because th there was also the case that, like, if something went wrong, it could validate a lot of things, or, or it could, it could, it could make a lot of claims that I would be like, yeah, well, that's what the process says, but I disagree with it. And honestly, what it, what came out is pretty convincing to me. Like, you know, I may have like very minor differences, but like, it's not, of course, like nobody agrees with anybody. Like, and that is like the voice of a collective right now. It's not no nobody holds what the report says. Nobody agrees with 100%. So. You know, uh, I, I, I am I am also not in 100% agreement with it, but it's like as close as it could possibly get, like to to doing that. Uh, so that was a yeah. Honestly, I think for the first round of that format, it went great. Um, we so we want to do more of that, um, and uh, that's why we're kind of looking for the next topic. You know, we're thinking like if it's going to be in the in the pandemic space, you know, we're thinking maybe long COVID or masks or lockdowns. There's like so many issues where it's like you know, there's like a lot of strong sort of you know, push from both sides, um, or something like what you're describing, which is sort of very interesting in that, again, you have a lot of uncertainty, right, um, and a lot of strong opinions, um, and a lot of errors that are being made either on purpose or by accident, right? It doesn't really matter, uh, ultimately. Um, I'm on record as saying, like, I, I prefer the malicious to the incompetent, because at least the malicious want to keep us alive to rule us. The incompetent might actually destroy us. So, you know, I don't know why, but, like, that's the sort of thing that, um, uh, yeah, it would be great to run again. And then other uh, things, you know, I think my mind goes a lot to the sort of intellectual Turing test. Uh, I don't know if you, ideological Turing test style things, like get people to articulate the opposing ideas uh, in a way that their opponents would uh, agree is a, is a fair articulation. I think there's something there. And I'm my mind also goes to uh, another way to circumvent argumentation, which is predictions, right? You can have your own uh, way of thinking about things and you don't have to justify it. You don't have to explain, you don't have to convince anybody about why and how you think. Uh, all you have to do is say, I think X will happen or will not happen. Um, and keeping track of that, again, can, can add that layer of consistency across time, which is really the only thing we, we have at this point, right? Like there, there's no, with everybody having an opinion, you know, like you, the only thing you have is the, is the motion parallax of time, right? Like you, you can watch somebody over time to see 
you know, how, how they uh, process. And then that can be, I think, an interesting way. Like we have pundits now, but they, like nobody tracks them, right? So what's the point of, of having them <laughs> go on, the, on TV every night? Um, if we did that, I think we may be able to build something a lot more coherent as a, like an elite, but an elite that has to prove their worth, you know, all the time. Yeah. And that, that so, sounds yeah, actually... Some ideas, but, you know, I, I, honestly, a lot of that is implementation. And also, I'd just love to see others. I mean, you guys seem to, to be working on, on something that is, like, broadly in the sense-making space in, in, a, in a way. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm generally a big supporter of people trying stuff because, you know, something has to happen. Like, we have to figure out a way. What we... What we the, the core premise is that what we know doesn't work. <laughs> what we're trying to do isn't working. It's, like, really underpowered. So we got to find something else and we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the idea of uh, an elite that has to continue to prove its worth is pretty much the ideal output for what we're trying to build uh, in that respect as well. The main thing that we started with is all the information in the world is is free, which means all the all the best information in the world is is free and available. But we don't really have mechanisms for wanting it really bad. A few pockets of nerds and autodidacts like go and do the research on their thing and they become, you know, the completely invisible experts on X, Y, or Z. But there's no way to farm that best knowledge in the world into the mainstream and, and then allow the uh, the collective to benefit from the wisdom of the individual. So I'm, I'm hoping that what we're building can facilitate that somewhat. A share a completely share your general interest in frameworks for you know input chaos chaos output order in this sort of epistemic sense. I think the uh, um, the better skeptics experiments are are just awesome, and it's just it's just an exciting kind of frontier. Like when 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 the gap between the stated intentions of so many institutions is one thing. When, when the gap between the stated intentions and the actual products, the actual actions and um, revealed priorities are so different, there, this creates this huge market for debullshitification. And I think it's, it's an exciting market <laughs> to, to plunge into. I think there's, there's going to be a lot of you know, demand for this kind of thing. And it's, it feels like a sandbox now. But uh, I'm excited for how much pressure there's going to be escaping out the valves that experiments like you're doing release. Yeah. No, we, I think we, yeah, if, I, if there's one thing I think that is emerging, and it seems you're sharing that uh, sentiment too, um, is that you know, I think people have to get a lot better at filtering their own sort of inputs uh, and understanding you know, the provenance of information um the process that drove the information how much confidence i should have um and you know that might not be as easy for everybody but like we can be doing a lot better like, everybody could be doing a lot better than we are right now even with like just choosing who to trust you know um exactly exactly um so yeah i i think and again i just share that that that, that fundamental uh instinct you shared before right like there's just so much possibility out there and we're just busy keeping ourselves down like collectively just like you know we're the, like the what is it the 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 crabs that are pulling each other into the into the bucket or something like that like this just like this, this completely like counterproductive um instinctive like oh you know well what you're saying is not agreeing with like what the authorities are saying and you're an idiot or like whatever 
which like of course like it's almost like you know like this uh, prescriptivism in language like what you said is not in the dictionary it's like but yeah, but how did it get there in the first place like <laughs> like somebody had to say something that wasn't in the dictionary for the dictionary to, to to put it in there right like so you know somebody had to have an idea that the establishment would adopt for that to become the establishment idea like the the persecuting ideas that are not the establishment is not even in the establishment's interest you know like it's just so just um suicidal you know like so self uh harming to 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 to, to approach these uh yeah which makes it as you say like obvious that something is is really broken in in, in ways that are like really concerning um and yeah i i think what you the way you're describing it is the best way to the most sort of optimistic way to take it, which is that it's opportunity, right? It's it's um, we can we can sit here and bitch and moan all day long, but like ultimately, there's there's a field of opportunity out there, and people should be uh, jumping at it and getting better at it for themselves and making ways for others uh, to, to help others uh, get better at it as well. Because we all like yeah, again like I just have this very like doomsday feeling like unless we get much better at this fast, you know, um, we're gonna be in real trouble. Yeah, I think that that doomsday feeling is is floating around for for real. It's it's not just it's not just you. I mean, James, just you know, yeah, no, you're you're not weird. Uh, in in, that in this way, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no. I want to throw a little more light on something you said earlier that I really appreciated, which was given that the motivated reasoning instincts and all these other social constructs, or at least drives. Uh, motivations and things like that given that they aren't going away we have to channel them into something that's productive and like use that as a force to go in the direction that we want to go in i i think that's awesome and so few people are, are saying that like there's a lot of emphasis on well just force yourself to not be motivated uh in your reasoning and force yourself to follow rules that i conveniently set up for you and things like that and like it's very it's 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 the epistemic version of, of, of denial of the sex drive, like in religious organizations. Like it's it's gonna be there. You have to figure out how to make it work with the gestalt, work with the whole. And I think to the extent that we figure that out um, with knowledge processing and sense making or, or whatever you call it, I think there's a really exciting vista there. And just the the epistemic experiments. Of of any kind as is just the most most interesting you know high leverage thing because what will it unlock what what knowledge do we already have that we're just sitting on uselessly and once we figure this out it's it's going to be like a printing press level transformation of society it's going to be massive uh, yeah again I sure hope it's for the for the best and not you know the, the guy in the lab in, in his basement but um let's just let's just push that thought away. <laughs> No, you're you're absolutely right, and you know that's that's the big that's the big terror. Of of course, that that's a possibility too. But then again, what else are we going to do? Like, if, yeah, yeah, if no, the I truth mean, is going to set I, us I free, yeah. No, and, and 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 hopefully, you know, alongside the guy in his basement that makes the next virus is the guy in his basement that makes the next antibiotic, right? Like, or yeah. or whatever, like, or the guy in his basement who cured cancer a hundred years ago and had no means of telling anybody. Sure. You know, so 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 that's I mean that's the hope. But like you're touching on yeah. something that I I haven't really articulated, so I'm gonna try now and um, see see how it goes. But like 
there's this idea of normality. And I was actually tracing when it entered the English language. I think I saw somewhere a shocking revelation about that word, which is like it entered the, the word normal itself entered the English language about the 1850s. Um, it's not like you would expect like it would have been like, you know, forever, right? Like just like the most normal word, obviously. Um, but actually it, it comes like it comes from and in the beginning it was like a way to say like um you know it was almost like a, a technical term to say like you you are you know um you know average or like not it was not like a great thing to be normal it was just like you know normal um but somehow you know like we say things like nobody's perfect right and i mean we don't stop to think about what that means, but like, what does it mean to be perfect? Like, that is not just like hard to do. It's undefined. Like, what is a perfect human? Yeah. Like, what age does a perfect human have? What knowledge is a per- like? What does what like? What does the perfect human do when they wake up in the morning? Like, do they go to the bathroom? Do they not? Like, you know, like what's the? It's it's it's. You can be better than yourself yesterday or than somebody else, right? But the 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 potential is infinity. Like, perfection implies that there's like a a something x that you should reach and like stay at which is much more like a mechanistic thinking it's like a machine that works really well than a systemic thinking of like you know infinity right again it's like that's zero sum versus positive sum and really infinite sum uh games that we could be playing but somehow we've just convinced ourselves that you know there is that weird sense of regularity that all things should fall into and celebrated and you know like have one and a half children and like <laughs> whatever um which which just doesn't yeah it's it's like us like that's the direction of my thought that i haven't really gone deep into a lot of it because it's depressing that we keep like it's so common for us to talk about what's normal and what's perfect you know i'm not perfect and i got my flaws but they're not flaws this is who you are right what you can do is channel them or not right you can you can embrace them or you can fight yourself like be my guest it's not going to work <laughs> right like you know the, the the aggression is aggression it's not good it's not bad if you are exposing it at a time of war it is heroism if you're expressing it at a, you know with your family you're an idiot but like the aggression itself is a it, it is, a, is a is a is an object that is that is there it doesn't have you know itself moral value um it's about where you where exactly where you challenge, and then you know, as you said, with you know, with the, the uh, ecclesiastical matters, um, if you repress it, it, it it'll show up at the worst possible place that you really don't want to see it, right? But that's it, it, it's it's you know hydraulic in nature, like you don't it does not like you can't, it does not compress. It's the pressure you 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 push it from one side and it, it emerges on the other, like and again you can use that to your advantage. Or not like you can you can you can understand that that's how it works or not so to me like I, I just i'm starting to push back on that very notion of normality perfection objectivity you know these are just bad ideas themselves like not like uh, oh unreachable or whatever no 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 they're undefined like they, you literally can't tell me what a perfect human looks like like you know we 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 we, we allude to it but we never actually like you know concretely think about it and, and and I think that's part of the psyop, right? We we feel always like less than and and, and under, um, less capable than we could be and whatever. And it's like this was never there. This like it's a complete illusion that we've been like con- uh, convinced that like 
yeah, we oh, every time you have a bad thought or whatever, like that's just you. That's just you. Like like a lot of times you just have to go through that than then try to avoid it. Like try to go around it. Like that almost never works, at least not for me. Um, I know others are much more disciplined than I am, but like I don't try to like willpower things. Again, like I try to set up feedback loops that that take my ego and my you know and my ambition and, and steer them towards doing me do, doing what I what I want to do. I don't like try to deny those things. And and again, I, I think it's it's a fool's errand. It's not like I'm not like particularly clever for doing it. I don't have a choice um, to to do it differently. Um, so yeah, I think there's something really really broken there with our um you know even talking about normalization what's normal whatever like we are hunter gatherers at heart this is what we've been built for uncertainty you know we're built for the wild we've managed to domesticate ourselves in in interesting ways which is neither here nor there and and honestly i think we got to reclaim some of that maybe not everything but like some of that wild uh instinct i think has to um has to be channeled back or or it goes into places you don't want it to go 100%. 100%. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm becoming a little bit of a conspiracy theorist about metaphors for this exact reason. That all of these are just so bad and so counter, you know, reality that it's 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 fascinating. They seem perfectly engineered to take the agency and all like the essential qualities out of out of humanity in a certain respect. Um, I have been attracted to the word skillfulness to kind of fill in a lot of these gaps. There's kind of a non-judgmental aspect to that. And it's also kind of with relationship to a goal or a circumstance, like aggression and war is heroism. That's skillful. Aggression at your dinner table is idiotic. That's unskillful. It does not achieve the goals of, you know, a healthy family dynamic and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, this is, this is one of my overarching, you know, fascinations with just, there's so much leverage in this just the tiny tweaks in the metaphors that we bake into society again just unlock torrents of of order of reasonableness that takes no effort once this switch is made so i love this i love when people point these kind of things out and uh i'd love to continue talking about it more sometime but i want to let you go at the end of our time here i really appreciate you spending all this time with us it's been a blast and uh we're thanks a lot we're going to continue to follow everything you do on twitter so thanks so much man <laughs> thanks very much I'm sorry about that <laughs> no some sorry of it about is, what? Some of it is, uh, you know nobody should have to go through but um it's 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 fun in its own re- weird way <laughs> yeah absolutely like you know there's you know a bit of a gladiatorial uh, element of it and uh, it's 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 fun and I, I absolutely am, am ready to take you up on the UFO investigation offer for better yeah. skeptics. If that's uh, of interest, yeah, by all means, let's, let's, let's have some fun.